0: The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907 341 4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Hey, good morning, ACF Church. Welcome. I'm glad you're here today. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. I love that video. This is the highest level of anxiety, I guess. Like, I don't know what that is. This is when you're really stressed that your team's gonna lose. But anyway, hey, thanks so much for being here. We are in a series called Fanatic. We are walking through uh, this book of James. It's a letter from uh, Jesus's little brother to this early church uh, to help them find out what it means to have true, authentic faith. What does it mean for faith to change your life and the life of people around you? And what does it mean to have a worthless faith that does nothing for you? And so that's what the book of James has been about. I've been challenged by it. I hope you have been as well. We've heard some great stories um, from people already of just how God is challenging them and how they're applying their faith to daily things. And so, um, just excited to be here with you guys. This week, I've entitled Bits, Rudders, and Flames. And so, these are all things that control other things. These are all things that cause other things to happen. And, and James is going to talk to us about our tongues, the power of what we say. So, question for you. Any gym rats in the room? Who's, come on, gym rats. Raise your hand. We've got some gym rats. All right, all right. What do you bench? Come on. Who benches? Who benches? You got some? Ben- what do you bench? Come on, give it to me. What, what? 245. 245. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else do? Are you? Are you serious? Are you making stuff up? It's okay. And who can do more than 245? Anybody in the room? Come on. Come on. Kip can. Kip can bench more than 245. I had a guy on Wednesday night. He he said 465. Four or six, he does strongman competitions. The dude is ripped. Anyway, so uh, I am not a lifter for the most part. I know you can't tell, Um, but I've been going to the gym lately. I've been trying to work out. I just feel better when I'm in the gym. And uh, when I was growing up, like in uh, junior high and high school, I really got into lifting more. My brother, um, he's, a, he's always been athletic, I've always been musical and talented, so um, I feel like that's the end of the genes that I got. He'll listen to this, That he'll think that's funny. Um, but anyway, so Tim, my brother, he's, he's very athletic, uh, very in shape, and he bought a, uh, a bench for the basement, all the, all the weights and everything, and so when he was gone, I would sneak down there, and I would use his bench, and I'd try to see how much I could bench, because that's all guys care about, right? Like, what do, you, what do you max out at, bro? You know, how much can you lift? And so I'd, I'd work on it. First, it's just the bar, right? Okay, I can, I can do the bar, and then you throw 10 on each side, and you throw 20 on each side, and then before you know it, you get to the 45 mark, which for any weightlifter, any dude, you know, that, that's like a big benchmark is when you get the 45 on each side. And so it was a really big deal. Finally got there, got the bar up, 45 on each side, got it up. Yes. And my brother walks in and he's like, hey, what you doing, Brian? I'm like, uh, working out. And he goes, that's awesome. Good job. And, and, and I said, I'm really excited. Uh, I can, I can bench, uh, this much. He's like, how much can you bench now? And I said, well, I'm at about hundred pounds because I got 45 on each side. He's like, no, Brian, the bar weighs 45 pounds. Dude, you're at 135. I was like, no way. So, because I, you know, I hadn't hit puberty yet. So I was like, no way. That's so awesome. And, and and so I was so stoked that I could lift way more than I thought I could lift. We always think about, you know, what is our max lifting capacity? What is the ability that we have? And so, here's the thing. This morning, we're going to I'm going to contend that that you guys are way more powerful than you've ever imagined. And you're also way more dangerous than you'd ever care to admit. And I'm not talking about your tongue, or I'm not talking about what you can lift. I'm talking about your tongue, the, the power of what we say, the power of our words. And James is going gonna to hit us hard right, hard right between the eyes this morning uh, when it comes to what we say and how we control what we say to each other. So open up to James chapter 3. Um, we're going to read through a chunk of scripture. And by the way, at the beginning of the series, I set out a challenge to you guys to read through the book of James once a week. It takes like 15 minutes. It's an easy read. It's a challenging read. And so I want to reissue that to you guys. If you have not done this, if you're the kind of person that doesn't really know where to start when you open up your Bible, just find the book of James, read through the whole book once a week. I think it'll be a great way to set a foundation for what we talk about on Sunday morning. I think God's going to speak to you through that. But let me just read this to you guys, and then we'll continue on. James 3, uh, verse 1 says this, "'Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers,' For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. With it we bless the Lord our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers, these ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Can we go to God and ask him to speak to us today? Jesus, thank you for your word to us through James. God, I ask that we could be challenged today. God, I ask that you would speak to us for for all of us as we come together from different places, different backgrounds. God, some people who have grown up and been around the church forever. God, others who are very new to the church. God, I pray we could come together under one roof asking that you would enlighten us, you'd grow us, you'd challenge us. God, that we could have an interaction with you in a real authentic way today. God, thank you for Alaska. Thanks for even the the fall and all the rain, God, that you give us. And we look forward to new things to come this season. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So new parents are really cute. Uh, Any new parents in the room? I think that's some new parents. Lots of new babies in our church. Um, this, this place multiplies. We grow from the inside out. ACF knows how to make babies. So lots of new parents in this place. Um, and I remember being a new parent, and you get so excited about every little season that the little one goes through. And You know, every moment is an Instagram moment, right? And so it's like, oh, look, they blinked, Instagram. You know, oh, look, they turned their head, Instagram. And so you're just excited about them growing and developing. You know, and when they're really little, they don't do a whole lot. They just kind of lay there and they eat and then they sleep, and then they cry, and they eat some more, and then, you, you know, change in diapers. And then you're like, hey, I'm so excited for one day they're going to crawl, right? They're going to be mobile. And then at some point, they start crawling, and it's Instagram. Look, they crawled. So excited. And then a week later, you're like, I wish they couldn't crawl anymore, right? I wish they weren't mobile. It's really annoying now. I can't control where they're at. And so then you're like, oh, they're upset. They're frustrated because they're trying to communicate, but they can't, they can't speak yet. I'm so excited for the day that they can speak, and then at some point, they can speak. And you're like, I wish they couldn't speak anymore. This is driving me crazy. And they don't know how to control what they say. And so, but one thing you know about little kids is you always know how they feel. You know, they're never, they're never trying to lie to you. It's always like, I'm upset because I'm actually hungry and I'm actually upset. You know, what's coming out of my mouth is exactly how I feel. And so what you learn with with children, then you learn to train them to say certain things, not to say other things. Because we know that the the tongue is powerful. We know that what you say matters. And so intuitively, we were like, okay, kids, we got to train you from an early age to control what you say. And so in my house, it was the word hate. We couldn't say the word hate. You could dislike your broccoli. You could dislike your brother. You could dislike this vacation, but you could never hate anything. Because my parents didn't trust us with that word. They're like, hey, that's a powerful word. You're not going to use it well. So we're going to just take that out of your vocabulary. You can't say the word hate. So then you develop more. You learn how to use your words. And you learn how to manipulate people with words, right? You learn how to get what you want based on what you say. And then at some point in all of this, you see something happen. You see the power of your words. Maybe you say something to a friend and you see them just shrivel up and you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Or you say something to somebody else, and you see them come alive. You know, it's just the right thing at the right time, and it changed their life. Or maybe somebody says something to you at just the right time, and it changes your life. And so we learn that the tongue is a powerful, powerful thing. But I don't know that all of us really learn how to use it well. I don't know that we understand how to wield this power properly. So James is going to teach us and talk to us about the power of a tongue because he knows that the tongue is powerful. James, at this point, as a a guy, is a a teacher. He's a pastor. He's always speaking. And he knows that what he says really matters. And he starts off with this in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So he starts off by talking to those of you who teach. Any teachers in the room? Got some teachers? Okay, he says, hey, teachers, you guys are going to speak a lot. Be careful. Be careful. So this verse haunts me. I'm telling you what. This verse is terrifying. It was one of the scariest verses to consider as I stepped in to start leading at ACF Church because I thought, okay, I'm going to be up here for like 40 minutes Actually, 50 probably, if I'm honest. But trying for 40, going for 40 minutes, and I'm going to say a lot of words. And at some point, it's going to come out wrong. At some point, I'm going to say the wrong thing, and it's going to come off, off the wrong way. You might be offended. Or even worse, I might say something that isn't quite right biblically, and that's, that's not a good thing. So I feel the, the pressure of this verse. And he's going, hey, if you speak for a living, if you speak a lot, you need to be careful. Because what you say carries a greater impact a greater weight. The ripple effect of what you say as a teacher goes farther than somebody who isn't teaching. He's saying, be careful. And I don't know, I don't know if I asked you, what are the most dangerous jobs in America? You might say crab fishing, right? Deadliest catch. You might say deep sea exploration or something like that. You might say like the guy that has to open the front door at Walmart on Black Friday, right? That guy, he has a dangerous <laughs> job. I don't know like what the dangerous job you might say is. But James is like, most dangerous job in America? Teaching. That's the most dangerous job in America. Because you're going to say a lot of things and you need to be careful with it. And this is why, you guys, I get, I get nervous when people sometimes they are kind of jockeying their way to get into a position of authority where they can teach, where their voice can be heard. I get nervous when people have that because I'm like, okay, you should be a little terrified of this. You should be a little scared. Every week before I preach on Sunday morning, I'm up in this upper room here, and I'm just praying, God, help me not to screw it up too bad. Help me not to in any way distort the gospel, distort the truth of your word. I just want to be true to the word. I want to be true to myself. I want to be real and honest, and I want to bring people something that's good, some good news this morning. And so I think that it's really important to consider what is it that you're saying as a teacher and be careful if you're jockeying for a position of authority. Not that you shouldn't, because if you have a call in your life to teach and to lead, please teach. Please lead. But do it from a place of, of uh, I think, respect for, for the position that you have. And so James is going, be careful. Then he moves on in verse 2. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. So James, you know, sticks it to the teachers. Then he goes, hey, and by the way, if you're kind of hard on the teachers, realize we all stumble in a lot of ways. Like, we all need a little grace. Let's bring this back down to a level playing field. We all need grace. And he says, And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So he goes, hey, we're all a mess. We all stumble in a lot of ways. And if you think that you control your tongue, you control what you say, then then you're a perfect man. He's basically saying, would the perfect person please stand up? Come on, there's always somebody in the room, right? Would the perfect person who controls their tongue, who always says the right thing when they need to say it, please stand up? And James is saying, you don't exist. You don't exist. We all stumble. We all say the wrong thing. And we all need to focus on what we say and consider this. And, and I think this too, like, as we get into this conversation, if you're here today and you think, well, I'm kind of quiet, Brian, I'm a little reserved, I'm kind of an introvert, I don't say a whole lot, so I think that you're not really speaking to me, I don't think he's just talking about what you say. See, we live in the communication age, don't we? We are always communicating. Some of you are texting right now. Some of you are emailing a work email right now. You know, you're always Facebooking and blasting out messages to each other. We are always communicating. And what we know is that can get us into trouble, can't it? Have you ever said something or done something, sent out a text or an email, and said, I wish I could take that back? I wish I had never done that. And this is such a big deal that even Google is trying to help us out. Uh, I found this. Uh, They're talking about Gmail, Google's mail option here. And it says, uh, one one feature of Gmail that's been hidden for years is the undo send feature. I had no idea this existed. This is awesome. But it was experimental and buried away. Now it's up front. Um, In your your Gmail account, some of you need to take notes, Uh, (laughs) click the gear icon in the upper right-hand corner, choose settings, and on the general tab, scroll down and find the undo send click the checkbox, enable, undo, send, and then choose a cancellation period of 5, 10, 20, or 30 seconds. So Google is trying to help you out, which I, I read that and I'm like, do they have like a one week option? You know, <laughs> can I, can I have everything in my life be delayed at least a week so that I can have at least a week to consider what I said and why I said it? Because that happens all the time. I'm a little slow in the uptake. It's three or four days later and I'm thinking that's not going to go well. Could I take that email back? But it's gone and I can't unsend it. So thanks to Gmail uh, for trying to help us out. But it's just a, it's, it's this realization that we tend to just think, feel, respond, right? And there it goes. And it's out there for the whole world to see. And it gets us in trouble. And so we've all seen the power of our tongue. He says in verse 9, we, With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God of God. So James is trying to draw out this contrast in what we say. He's like, hey, do you guys realize that with your tongue, you are blessing God. You are saying, you are worshiping, you are honoring God with your words, and in the same breath, you are dishonoring and hurting those who bear the image of God. And then he says, he says this, my brothers and sisters, this should not be, which is code for like modern translation, that's messed up. That's messed up. Like it shouldn't be Honoring God and cursing those who are made in his image. What James is saying is that from the same mouth comes wreckage and worship. From from our mouths can come wreckage and worship. And James is saying this is not how it was made to be. I've got a good friend that um, he was a new believer a couple years ago. He started coming to ACF Church. Um, He was a committed atheist and started coming here and, uh, and committed his life to Christ, found faith in Jesus, started turning his life around. Um, and he was trying to make some changes in his life because he realized that um, he, wasn't, he wasn't always healthy at work and at home. And so he's trying to make some, some simple changes. And one of his changes was he wanted to listen to better music because he knew that music was affecting him and so he's like well I found this station this K-Love station you know positive and encouraging so he's like he's like I just want to listen to more K-Love and so he made this commitment at work that he was going to change the radio station at work to K-Love So he's at work and he's typing away and he's listening you know to K-Love music and it's it's cruising in the background and all of a sudden he hears the the station change and he looks up and it's one of his coworkers grabs grabs the dial changes it sits back down So my buddy kind of like closes the computer, stands up, goes over, changes it back to Caleb. Sits back down, opens the computer, types away. Dude changes the station again. He stands back up. He goes over here, changes it back, sits back down. Guy changes the station again. And so he goes, he told me about this. He's like, I just snapped. I just freaked out on the guy. He said, I stood up and I'll give you the edited version. But he's like, I basically said, if you change the flipping radio station, one more flipping time, I'm going to flip and punch you in the throat. hey, love. So funny. I was was like, oh, God bless you, bro. I love it. I love it, because we're all like, yep, been there, done that, got that t-shirt. So, he, uh, he, he blew it and he felt convicted. He was like, "Ah, oh, that was not the best impression of somebody who's trying to follow Jesus. And he, he, he felt that, right? And we all connect with that because we've been there when we've lost it. We thought, okay, that, that, that should not be. That, that kind of speaking and that kind of response is not the kind of response of somebody who's been changed by the grace of Jesus. And yet we're torn, right? We're all in this journey together. We're in a process together. None of us are where we want to be in life. We do things still that we wish we didn't do anymore. We're we're just trying to work for together. The only hope in this is that those of us who know Jesus, we know that we have grace. We know that we've received that grace. And and we we just pour it on us, right? We're like, give me more grace, Jesus. That's what we do here. And some of you feel this every week when you come to church. You feel the tension in your soul. And some of you might feel that today where you're sitting here in church and you think, I got no right to be around all these good people. You know, I got no right to be here. I know what I did last night. I know what I did this week. I know what I did last week. I know what's in my soul. I have no right to be in this place, let alone when they start singing up front, speaking words of honor and worship to God. I shouldn't be a part of any of that. But Here, listen, I hope you guys get this. I hope if that's you today, I, th- I think we all can relate to that in some way or another. If that's you, you need to know that your hypocrisy doesn't disqualify you from worship. It demands that you worship. You need to know that. We are all hypocrites in one way or another. We, we sit underneath this roof together going, God, just give us grace. And if we put all of the issues in our lives up on this screen, we wouldn't have enough time in the day to go through all of them. You need to know that. We're here together asking for grace. And James is saying, hey, consider this though. This is not how it was meant to be. That's not how it was meant to be. The words that come from our mouths should reflect our souls. Is that the case in your life? So then, uh, th- so all of us would say, okay, we struggle with our words sometimes. We struggle with what we say. Um, it's, it's very overt and people can see that. But for some of us, it's very covert It's very subversive the way that we use our words in our lives. Proverbs 26.20 says this, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. Who's convicted by that? Ouch. He's talking about quarreling and fighting, needing fuel. And I I shared a a few weeks ago that my garage lit on fire, uh, (laughs) Or beginning of the summer. Long story. I'll tell you about it later if you haven't heard it. But anyway, my garage lit on fire, and it wouldn't have gone anywhere had there not been any fuel, but my refrigerator, the wiring started sparking, and behind my refrigerator was this piece of plastic on the wall, which lit on fire, which laid down onto, another, onto my sink, which lit on fire, which burned down onto my shoe rack, which lit on fire, and then my whole garage was up in blaze. And so James is like, hey, without any fuel, the fire's just going to go out. But some of you like to see things burn, don't you? Some people just love to see the fire burn. They love to watch it happen. It, you, you feel empowered by it. You feel better about yourself somehow watching the fighting going on around you. And so I want to talk about a very difficult word, um, a word that I think a lot of us maybe ignore many times, and that's the word gossip. Gossip. Um, gossip is so damaging and there are those in the room when you hear the word gossip you're like yeah that's not that's an issue for like you know high school girls or something that's not something adults deal with but let me just tell you if you've been wounded by this you know how real this is you know that this can be so damaging gossip is like it's like verbal arson some of you walk around lighting little fires in your life and in the lives of people all around you. It's what you do. You enjoy that. And, and James is like, be careful. Be careful about this. And you might not even be able to diagnose it. Chances are, if you're a gossiper, you don't think that you're a gossiper. That's just been my experience. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, that's me, you don't think it's you. And so let me, let me give you a few terms that, that Scripture uses and uh, I think that we use to describe gossip. Uh, the first might be slander. The Bible talks about slander, which is somebody that is actually trying to malign the character of somebody else. You're, you're actually speaking things that may not even be true so that somebody else might think negatively about that person. We guys, you guys, it's, it's the political season. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We're going to see a lot of slander going on, a lot of lies floating around for the sake of uh, changing your perspective about somebody else. Um, rumors. Rumors are when you're talking about stuff you don't know nothing about, right? Right? So I don't have any details about this, but you're the kind of person that when you get a little bit of information, you're the first person to go out on Facebook and post it up. Or you text all your friends because you get this kind of feeling of importance by being the first one to share the information. So you're, like, you're kind of the rumor mill. Um, maybe maybe uh, sharing the dirt. This is when you do know the truth, and the truth is really juicy, Right? This is a juicy piece of truth. And so I want to be the one, the first one to know, the first one to let everybody know that I knew first that this person's life is a total wreck. So I don't know what, but it just makes us feel better, right? Um, Mocking. Maybe you mock others. You have this sarcastic tendency in your life. And when you mock them, you think that you're having fun, but you're actually changing people's perspectives of that person by mocking them. Um, Maybe you're, you're a seed planter planting seeds. This is kind of like, you know, uh, a friend's talking to you and they're like, yeah, you know, uh, this person said this, but I know they didn't mean it. And you're like, they didn't mean it? Are you sure they didn't mean it? Because I don't know. And you're, you're just kind of like subversively causing distrust in the relationship. And the last one I'm really convicted of, this is the joking, not joking. You guys do that? Oh, yeah, it's funny, man. I hate your guts. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just, I'm kidding. No, but seriously, no, I hate your guts. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, but seriously, no, I'm kidding. But seriously, no, I, so we, we play these like joking, Not I, I can't be honest with you. So I, I create this kind of sarcastic thing, this undertone between me and you, because I can't really tell you how I actually feel. And one thing you need to know is that, If somebody is gossiping about you or gossiping towards you, they're going to be gossiping about you. This is something that's been so true. If somebody is talking to you about other people, you need to know that you're the next person that's on their list to be talked about. So Proverbs 20, Solomon, he's a smart man. He helps us out. He says in Proverbs 20, 19, a gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. Ouch, right? Right? Somebody's going to have less friends after church today. Avoid anyone who who talks too much. He's basically saying, I empower you. And I would say the same. Be a friend to these people. If you know somebody in your life that struggles with this, for whatever reason, love them, care for them. Maybe you have uh, an opportunity to encourage them towards being a healthier communicator. Uh, That would be really good. But also, maybe you just need to distance yourself from this person. Maybe you need to. Sometimes that's okay. But you need to look at what does it mean to love somebody who's a gossiper, who, a gossiper who's a, a talker. So James wants us to put our words into perspective. He wants us to see how much power we have. I don't think many of us have thought about how powerful the tongue is. I looked it up online. It's not the strongest muscle in the body. It's kind of, that's an urban legend that the tongue is the strongest muscle in the body. But it is the fastest muscle, I was told, by John Bolstridge. Where is he at? Anyway, you can blame John if that's wrong. But I think it's the fastest muscle in the body, which makes a lot of sense because that's how it works in my life, right? The tongue's way faster than my mind. And my dad always used to tell me, Brian, you need to think before you speak. Oh, that truth has never been more true in my life. So first thing is this. The tongue is small but strong. It's small but strong. In verse 5 he says so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things how great a forest can be set ablaze by such a small fire you, you know God, I've been really negative I think so far about the tongue but we can start really good fires with our tongue too right we can say the right thing at the right time and it can it can do great good but it also can do great uh, negative things in our lives and he compares it to three things to a bit a rudder in a flame. A bit, a rudder in a flame. The bit, he compares to this, this thing that you use to control a horse. If you've ever ridden a horse, you've got the reins, they go down to the bit, and when you pull the bit, it pulls the horse's mouth, and the horse goes kind of where the mouth goes. It's amazing, this huge animal controlled by such a small little piece of metal. He says, the same way your, your mouth, such a small thing, can produce such great things. He also compares it to a rudder if you've ever driven a ship or seen a ship that's in dry dock. And you see this huge, huge ship and you see these little, little little, bitty props and this little rudder underneath the ship. And you think, how can such a huge thing be controlled by something so small? And then he talks about it as a flame. In verse 6, he says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining, uh, staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Pretty intense. He says it's like a fire. So James wants to talk to us about the course and the source of the fire. The course is that it just goes where it wants to. You guys remember the sockeye fire in Alaska is out by Houston, big fire. And if any of you saw the fire maps after that fire, it's crazy to see because it's got no rhyme or reason where it goes. The wind picks up, maybe there's more fuel over here. The fire just goes where it will. It'll burn down one house and the other will be left standing. It'll burn down one grove of trees and the other trees will be left standing. It's amazing how fire goes where it wants to. And the same is true for an uncontrolled tongue. When somebody is speaking carelessly, when we're not careful with our words, the impact goes way beyond where you ever would have expected. He's saying, be careful with it. And he talks about the course, and then he says the source. The source is where? Hell itself. Which I thought was so interesting. He's comparing the the, the source of all these flames to hell. And and, uh, this word hell is actually the word Gehenna, which is a, a location just outside the city of Jerusalem where they would burn all of their trash. And so he's saying, literally, your mouth can be like this, this place of constant fire. Constant consumption, a place of isolation outside of the city, outside of relationship. It's it's a place of carelessness, a place where all of the junk is thrown. So he's saying, be careful with your mouth. The course is that it'll go wherever it goes. You got to be careful what you say. And the source is hell itself, is this this place of, of separation and of consumption and of pain. And so number two is the tongue can be uncontrollable. This is so true. And he compares it to training animals. He says in verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Some of you are pet people, and you love to train your pets. You know, you've got the dog that can speak and roll over and shake hands. It's so cool, you know. James is saying you can get your dog to do all kinds of things, but you can't control your tongue. Just Just be honest. We can control our animals to do whatever we want them to do. People have done this for generations, but never has there been somebody who can just control their tongue. He's saying, "Be careful with your tongue." I had a friend that uh, he str- <laughs> so uh, he's the only pathological liar I'd ever met I- I'd ever met. And so he would actually say things, he would tell a story, and he'd get to the end of the story and I'd be like, bro, that wasn't you, it was me. He literally would have no idea. I would tell him a story, and he'd get to the end of the story, and, and I'd be like, dude, you don't even own a Jeep? You've never been to Colorado? What are you talking about? Like, this was not you. This was my story. But he would go, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. That's, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. He. It was literally, there was a shutdown in his mind. Now I'm gossiping about my friend. See, it's so subversive. Look. Anyway, I'm convicted. So... <laughs> Uh, I don't lead from a place of authority. You need to know that. In all things, I have not mastered everything I say. So I love this guy. I love this guy. But he struggled with just speaking about things he knew nothing about. And he would just say, I'm doing it again. Anyway, number three, um, the whole point, control your tongue. Uh, it'll, It'll get out beyond your control if you're not careful. Number three, the tongue is disturbingly revealing. Disturbingly revealing. This is really where it starts to hurt. Um, have you ever said anything and then later said, I didn't mean it? Have you ever said those words? I didn't mean it. Oh, man, I've said that before. Didn't mean it. The problem is part of you did, right? That's, that's the part that hurts is part of you did mean it. Even if what you, you know, the way you said it was wrong, the circumstances were wrong, maybe you you screamed it or you said it inappropriately, maybe, you know, all of that was wrong. But Jesus says this, he says, he says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's the challenging thing is that when we speak, our speech is actually a diagnostic tool for our hearts, this is what's scary is we go, okay, so if what comes out of my mouth is this, what does that say about my heart? What does it say about my soul? So I have this issue, uh, I get strep throat, super easy, and uh, I can get it from just talking to somebody with strep throat. Just, I, if I just hear the word strep throat, I get strep throat. It's, I don't know what, what's wrong with me, but then you go into the hospital, and, and what do they make you do? They make you stick out your tongue, right? And then they get this three foot long cotton swab that it's just horrible. I'm like, I'm always like, it's 2015. Can we not come up with something better than this? And they shove it down, you know, about to your belly button. And you do this like, oh, right? And they pull it out and then they can find out, are you sick or are you not sick? James is comparing these things. He's saying, listen, your tongue is, is a way of diagnosing your heart. You got to open up your mouth and look inside and see. And this is going to show yourself, show the people around you where your heart is is at, it's disturbingly revealing. I think we have to look at the things that we've said. And some of you have got stuff in your mind right now that you said and you wish you you had never said. And we have to say, where did that come from? Instead of saying, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. Where does that come from? It comes from our hearts. So my question for you today is, will you perpetuate death or produce life with your words? what will you do? Will you perpetuate death or produce life with your words? There was a recent social media movement. Um, some of you may have seen this, but uh, maybe you've been following all of the, uh, all of the debates about abortion. Uh, it's a really big topic in our day, um, but there was a social media movement and it was a hashtag that went out and it was uh, shout your abortion. Did you guys see this? There's was this movement, Shout Your Abortion, and, and the whole point was that if you've had an abortion, I want you to shout it out and uh, declare your right to have an abortion. And, uh, and then the other social media movement that went out in response to that was a group of people got a hold of it, and they changed it to Shout Your Adoption. So different point, whole point was to say, if you've been adopted or if you've adopted another person, then we want you to proclaim that you have, you have made new life, you have um, created an opportunity for this person to have a family, have people who love them. And it, it was such a sharp contrast as I watched this float around on social media. And, and I, I think that there's something for us today because here's the deal. What will you do from now on? Will you create life or death? What do you want to shout from the rooftops? Do you want to tell the people around you, Jesus is alive and he's working in my life. He's working in this world. Or when you speak, will you speak in a way that perpetuates death? That shows people that there is no hope. That this whole thing is pointless. That you live and you die and you just hope to enjoy this life as much as you can before you end it, right? There's so much more to be experienced here. And as the church, if you're a believer today, then you feel a weight here. You feel a pressure, like, okay, I am God's mouthpiece to the world. God is speaking through me to the people around us. What kind of story are you telling the world around you about Jesus? And this is so important. It's the power that we have is crazy. Look at what God did to create the world. It was so simple. What did God do to create everything? He spoke. He spoke, and as James says, we are created in God's image. And in his likeness, and it's like God has given us some of this authority to be able to speak and create things. So what I want you to know today is that when you speak, you're creating all kinds of things. Are you creating life or death when you speak? Because you've been given the power as an image bearer of God, so are you creating life or death with your words? And I've been convicted about this as a dad. I've got three kids. And uh, two daughters are in school, and every day I go drop them off at school. And I felt like for a long time, every time I drop them off, it was, hey, don't do this, don't get in trouble, don't do that. Remember, I talked to you about this. Hey, if you don't do this, uh, I'm going to spank you tonight. I'm going to punish you. You're going to get in trouble. And so it's, it, was, it was like threatening and not encouraging at all. And I, got, I was convicted that maybe I should affirm my children, you know. Um, I think, guys, you get this. Um, I just struggle to be an affirmer sometimes. I struggle to say good things when I need to say good things. And so for the past couple weeks, it's been uh, drop them off. And before they get out of the car, I look them in the eyes and say, girls, I am proud of you. And I'm amazed at what that's doing in our relationship. Just to say, girls, I'm proud of you. And that didn't come from me just mustering up the energy to say that. It came from me spending time thinking about why am I proud of my daughters? Why can I? Because kids can see through it, can't they? Kids are smart. They're intuitive. They know when you're just pulling their leg. They know when you're just saying something. And so my girls will see through it. They need me to be able to look in their eyes and say, I am proud of you, and I know where that's coming from. This is the truth. It comes from the heart. I think the people in our lives need the same thing. Some of you think positive things. Some of you think encouraging things, but you never say it. We need to be able to say those positive things that we think. There are people in my life that encourage me all the time. I am so grateful for it. There are people that every time they leave this church, I don't know, I might have just had the worst sermon in the world, but they're like, Brian, great message. You did such a good job. And I'm like, oh, you're such a liar, but I love you. I'm so grateful for your encouragement. It means so much, doesn't it? You guys, I don't know where it comes from in your life. Maybe you don't encourage others because you have not been encouraged. Maybe you gossip because there's something inside of you that you're not okay with who you are. I don't know, maybe you wound other people because you can think of that time that you were deeply wounded by a parent or a friend and it started you down this course that you just, you fly off the handle and you say things and then you try to pick up the pieces later. I don't know I don't know who that is today, but that's for somebody. But we just need to control this, but not just to control it with our might or our strength, but through an understanding of the grace of Jesus on our lives. James, in verse 8, he says, but no human being can control the tongue. James isn't telling us there's no hope. He's telling us there's only hope in Jesus. There's only hope in his grace. Some of you here today, you know that you need help. You know that you need grace, and you've just never said it. And just as I said earlier, there's something in speaking words. There's some kind of power in saying something with your lips. It's why we sing every week, because there is power in this. There's power in speaking these words. Even when you're saying words that you don't even completely believe in your heart, sometimes to say, God, you are so good, even when you're struggling with that, changes something in your soul. We just need to speak what we know to be true, what we know to be right. And so some of you have been here in church or you've gone to church forever and you've said, yeah, I need help. I need grace. But you've never said, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you give me grace? You've never actually said it. So could we just close our eyes for just a minute? Romans 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is God's word to us today. I don't want anyone to leave here having not called on the name of the Lord, having not said, Jesus, I need your grace. I can't control it, whether it be your mouth or your lifestyle or whatever it is that's going on, some kind of addiction, some kind of behavior, something that's going on in your life that's creating wreckage. You can't control it. Today as a community, we want to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, give us grace. Don't just think it, speak it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to speak together and, and we're going to say a prayer. I want, to, I want to encourage you, if you're a believer today, I want you to encourage you to, to kind of reconfess or maybe renew your vow to God. I want you to lead the way and speak these words with conviction. And this isn't a magic prayer. We don't do this very often, but I felt like this week as we talk about what we say, we need to say some things together. And speak some truth here today about who we are and who God is. And maybe you're here today and this will be the first time that you say this and mean it. And if that's you, I pray that you would. And so as a believer today, would you lead the way? And let's all just say this together. Would you guys repeat after me? Jesus, I know I fall short. And I ask for your grace today. God, would you change my heart? you change my life. I ask that you would take my sin and replace it with your righteousness. I receive your grace today and I'll never be the same. Jesus, we need your grace. And we've tried to control ourselves. We've tried to make things happen, God. And we're just so grateful that you will follow through, God, and do the work that we could never do. Amen. Amen. If you're here today, um, we're gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna challenge you and push you a little bit more. We're gonna do something a little weird, um, if that wasn't weird enough for you. Um, We're into weird stuff. So I thought this week, uh, what would it look like for us to kind of start a movement, start a different kind of fire? In our lives, um, so who's got a cell phone in the room? Got some cell phones? Don't be, don't lie. Come on, you all have cell phones. Be honest. There are more cell phones in the world than people at this point. So some of you have two. You can give one to your neighbor. So, get your cell phone out. Here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to spend three minutes, and all of you know one person in your life that could use encouraging. And maybe you're that person that you're like, I've thought a lot of good things about this person. I've just never told them. Why don't I tell them? You guys, you could change somebody's life by just saying something. Um, I got this, we got this text. uh, My wife actually got this text from a friend. Um, We did this on Wednesday. I thought this was encouraging. She said, uh, she said, tell Brian I texted close to 20 people and I got at least three, are you okays? (laughs) Okay. like I was dying or going to commit suicide which I guess is good Uh, obviously I don't talk to these people enough I got one are you drinking Um, (laughs) One: you better make it to the gym tomorrow and two: thank you so much I really needed to hear that today Uh, one of them has been crying and feels a little out of sorts so this little push to let people know they are cared about really did make a difference I was just, I was, see, I was encouraged by that. Um, we don't do this well. And maybe you need to push this to another level after church. You just need to go make a phone call or leave a voicemail. But I just thought, what if everybody at ACF Church sent out an encouraging text to somebody? Find something to affirm in that person. Call something out of them. Call life out of somebody. Maybe it's somebody you've got a problem with and you just need to say something nice to them. Maybe it's somebody that's sitting next to you or is in this room right now and you just need to say it. Encourage them. Speak life into them. This is what we were made to do with our words. And so just take a few minutes and we're going to worship as we move on. Love you guys.